Ah, springtime. When the air turns warmer, the grass turns greener, and a bare branch turns into a bud. Springtime. When a young man's fancy turns to thoughts of love. And after he's turned down by every young woman he meets, he can still turn to... Hal Anderson on 680-CJOB. Yes, you can still turn to me. It really does uh, feel like spring out there, doesn't it? Kind of. Not quite yet, but you can feel it in the air. You can feel the nicer, warmer temperatures in the air. And this morning I was listening to Mackling and McGarry, and they were talking about some rumors that some of the golf courses might open up by the weekend, which would be... Fantastic, of course. What are you looking forward to doing? 204-780-6868, Hal at CGOB.com. When the weather gets nice, what are you looking forward to the most? I probably am most looking forward to getting to the cottage. That will be very, very nice. 204-780-6868, Hal at CGOB.com. My inbox is always open. That's one of our questions today. Also, I'm curious to know, um, do you buy local when you can? You heard in the news, Mayor Brian Bowman is uh, hoping to buy local more. They already, uh, about half of the city suppliers are already from Manitoba. But he, he wants to do more than that. And listen, I and I like the idea. I don't think we should buy local uh Listen, I think price has to factor in. I think there's lots of stuff has to factor in. But if we can uh, get a good deal and do it locally, I, I think we, we really should do that. So I'm with the mayor on that. We'll play a couple of clips uh, from the mayor coming up here after our first break. And then that's our question. Do you try and buy local? And if you do, um, tell me about it. And if you don't, why? Why don't you buy local? 204 780 Hal at cjob.com. After global news at 1.30 in about half an hour, we'll talk to Lorraine McNabb. She is in St. Paul with the Winnipeg Jets, of course. Game four set to go tonight, so we'll talk to Lorraine after 1.30. At about 1.45, quarter to two, your chance to win a $100 gift card for Kitchens today. And then that will qualify you for Hal's Kitchen That is the big $5,000 kitchen makeover from Kitchens today. I mentioned that uh, I got up this morning and was listening to Mackling and McGarry, and they had Bud Grant on. Man, 91, and he sounds great. And he had a ton of stuff to say. Now, he's a wild fan, but, you know, he does live in St. Paul. And it was funny. He ended the interview with a voice by saying, go wild. It was funny. So I want to play some of that back. Bud Grant coming up after Global News at 2.30. Normand, uh, Normand Latourel. Latourel? I think so. Found, anyhow, founder and artistic director of Cavalier. And, of course, I don't know if you've seen over there on, on Keniston. They're, they're putting the big tent up, right? And then on Jeff Courier's show today, I was actually heading back from a doctor's appointment uh, when Jeff was talking to another Jeff, Dr. Jeff Blackburn. Vice President of Medical Professionalism at the Canadian Medical Association. And they were talking about the opiate crisis. And I I think that's worth playing back four or five minutes of that for you. We'll do that at about 2.45. Julie Buckingham came over today with an interesting request. She came over to my my work area and she goes, "Uh, can I come on your show today for a couple minutes? And I went, yeah, what's going on? So I don't know what's going on. But Julie Buckingham's going to be here at about 3.15. Something's up with Julie Buckingham. All right. 
And, of course, uh, Julie and Richard Cluche follow this show at 4 o'clock with the news. So, I don't know. Maybe they're fighting again. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I've got to step in and try and bring those two back together again. I'm not sure. 108. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to play those Mayor Bowman clips and we'll talk, okay? It's Hal on CJOB. I was asking you what you plan on doing when the weather really gets nice. I got a few text messages here. 204-780-6868. Hal, the gold eyes, checking out a game, having a cold beer on a weekday afternoon. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's a good day. Uh, here's another one. Uh, having a drink and a smoke in the hammock, Hal. Yeah, okay, good. Hammock, yeah, me and hammocks don't get along, but that's a whole other story. Um, There was something else here, and then I got this wild and crazy text message that uh, threw me off. Oh, here it is. Uh, Taking the top off my Jeep. Yes, that's nice. I've got my old 1980 International Scout Shadow up at the lake, and that's, boy, on a nice day, nothing. Take a ride into Gimli, and oh, yeah. Fantastic. So keep that stuff coming. What are you planning on doing when the weather gets nice? 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. All right, it's 113, Hal Anderson here on CJOB. Let's talk about the mayor today. Uh, The mayor says he wants the city to spend more of its money locally. Already about half of the city's suppliers are from Manitoba. So he says, we're doing a good job, but let's do even more. A motion will go to city council next week asking the public service to change its uh, procurement procedure for contracts under $100,000. So they'd focus in on contracts worth less than $100K. The mayor says that Winnipeg does invest in local businesses, but he wants to keep improving on that. Right now, um, I think there's roughly 21,000 suppliers to the city of Winnipeg. Uh, nearly half of those are Manitoba-based uh, uh, companies, and um, uh, you know I think it's roughly six hundred million dollars in, uh, in 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 purchases. So uh, we're already doing a significant amount for for local businesses. Um, what we want to do, though, is we want to work within the existing internal and and international trade uh, uh, parameters uh, to better support local businesses, and so. Uh, materials management and public service will be tasked with working within those roles uh, to to do what we can to support uh, local businesses. Mayor Bowman, buy local or buy more local. They already buy a lot of local. He wants the city to buy more local. I like this idea. What do you think? Now, I say buy local even if it's a little more money, just because I think it's important to support local. Or... What do you think? Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you say, hey, come on, these are my tax dollars. Doesn't matter where it comes from. I want the best deal possible. I'd be curious to know what you think of that. 204-780-6868. And do you buy local? Or do you buy online? I'll give you an example of uh, I had to buy something online, particular product. And this is true, and I'll tell you the story. I won't say what the product is because it's a gift for somebody, so I don't want to give that away. But I found what I wanted, and uh, I because I work during the day, I, I sent my lovely wife, Jackie, to get it. And she says, that store is closed. They closed all their stores across the country. So we can't get that product here. So I had to get it online, particular brand name product. 
So there right there is a, is a story that sort of shows you that retail is changing, right? Here's a chain of stores that shut down. So I was ready to go and support local, and I couldn't. And if I wanted that particular product, I couldn't. So I had to buy it online. So, you know, do we buy more local? Do we do what the mayor says and support local and help prop up local business people that pay taxes, right? Because let's face it, maybe we pay less as residents if businesses are more successful and they pay more tax. It's, uh, it's an interesting question, and I come down on it this way. I say, yes, let's buy more local, and I say even if it's a few dollars more, if we can do it local, let's do it local. That's just what I think. But I also understand the argument uh, where some people will say, nope, if it's a buck cheaper, I want to buy it wherever we can get it because that's saving me $1 of my tax dollars. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. Gord is on the phone. Hi, Gord, what do you think? You know what, I, I absolutely support the mayor on this initiative. We've been saying this for a long time, that uh, if we buy local, this is going to support our local economy. This is going to provide more resources, more money, more finances for, for, for our local infrastructure. It's going to create better jobs and uh, local jobs. This is what needs to happen. Uh, you know, I, I can't say enough on, on how much we support this initiative. Um, we see all too often that we're awarding contracts out to companies where our local dollars are leaving our economy. And right. it's, it's, it's a, got a huge impact on the economy. They say, I think a dollar goes around, you know, seven times over for each dollar spent within our economy. Yeah. Um, so it has a huge impact. I think that, uh, um, you know, studies have shown that buying locally significantly um, improves the local economy and has a significant impact on, on that. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, it's a great move by the mayor. I hope that, uh, you know, this is something that uh, passes uh, – at the council, and uh, yeah, we'll see how things play out. Now, I'm curious to know: uh, Do you buy local gourd whenever you can? I absolutely do. Where, when I can, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I our entire family um, believes in, in you know supporting local business where we can. I believe in you know we we constantly always try to promote this at uh, at council. A lot of times when I present, when we're outsourcing jobs and we're outsourcing to to contractors, the more we can keep work within our local economy, the more we can keep work in house, the nonprofit by our by our public sector, yeah. is, uh, it's it's it works out better for our local economy, our local society, our communities. Um, there's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, you can't always uh, buy local. Sometimes that particular service or that product may not be available local, and then, you know, you've got to do what you got to do. But I think, uh, especially on the smaller contracts, I think the mayor's going to focus in on $100,000 or less. Sure, why not, uh, you know, give it to a local business or or a, a local individual and uh, keep that money here instead of sending it off somewhere else? Yeah, I agree fully in it. It has a huge impact on our economy. Gord, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. So we can keep talking about that, 204-780-6868, by local. 
Somebody suggested on text message that uh, why are we talking about the mayor and this buy local? He's just trying to get his name out there for re-election. And, you know, listen, there's always electioneering going on. I guarantee you, I don't care what politician it is, sure. There's always some electioneering going on. But I do think it's also an important issue. As Gord said, it can be uh, very important to a local economy. So I hear you, but... Uh, even if there is some electioneering going on there, it's still a, a good issue and an important one. And I think it's important that we talk about it. And I personally agree with buying more local. Now, the mayor, when he was talking to reporters today, also talked about what he has planned for tomorrow. Take a listen. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. Here he is right here. Here's what he's doing tomorrow. Very early tomorrow morning. uh, I'm going to be boarding a a plane together with more than 120 kids and their families participating in this year's uh, Dreams Take Flight from Winnipeg. Uh, This is the 25th anniversary for Winnipeg's uh, Dream uh, Take Flight. Uh, We leave Winnipeg at about 5 a.m. for Disney World in Florida. We get back to Winnipeg at about 1 a.m. Thursday morning. Uh, For those that that don't know about Dreams Take Flight, it's a national volunteer charitable organization dedicated to providing the trip of a lifetime to medically, mentally, physically, socially, or emotionally challenged children. It was established in 1992, and with the aid of Air Canada, uh, other national and local organizations and businesses, money is raised uh, to make the dream uh, a reality for kids in Winnipeg, as well as uh, children in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Halifax. And while uh, an exciting opportunity, it really is a a day to help uh, these children forget uh, some of the very challenging struggles that they face on a daily basis. Um, Happy to be part of it, to uh, help them enjoy their day, and also to learn a tremendous amount from them and uh, from their families. Mayor Brian Bowman, so good for him, taking part in Dreams Take Flight tomorrow. Edna, by the way, uh, my pal, the sports doctor, Dave Patrician, is going to be doing that tomorrow as well. And uh, Dave really enjoys doing that, and I'm glad the mayor's doing it as well. Edna is on the phone wanting to talk about buying local. Hi, Edna. Hi, how are you? Love your show. Thank you. Love you. you. Thank you. Okay, yeah, I was just listening to this, and uh, um, as you know, we have a business where we make everything local. Oh, right. This This is Edna Creations, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Right. And they, and then we try and buy from other women that, you know, just stay home and maybe do beadwork. Mm-hmm. And we've been going out to uh, reserves where they have called us to try and get them, you know, making their products so that they can have some income. Because, you know, this is very important. This is part of our traditions, too, to, you know, to keep alive. Right. And our leather, we uh, it's actually locally made here, too, um, at uh, Manitoba Buckskin. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, Miami, uh, Manitoba has um, has a tannery where we buy our, our hides there, too. So, wow. you know, this is all local. And, we you know, we need to buy locally. Like, you know, it's a little bit, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, not that much because, you know, the stuff that you get from overseas, they're right in line with the, with the prices. Mm-hmm. you know, that that um, that we are selling our product for. And, you know, and we we employ people, too. Like, you know, we employ our, our family and then plus, like, the other women I said, and we're trying to get some things going in communities where we can maybe set up a co-op and, right. 
and have all these products distributed here too. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely, Edna. It's, it's very important. Thanks for calling in again. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. All right. And Wade is on the phone wanting to buy uh, talk about buying local. Hi, Wade. Hey, Al. How's it going? Great, man. I uh, I try to buy local for everything I can, whether it's furniture or tools, uh, anything I can. But my only concern with the government trying to buy local is that there's got to be checks and balances to make sure that contracts aren't awarded to somebody who's greased their palm or, or to friends, if you will. Uh, if we're not getting the best of value, we have to make sure that there's no no foul play involved. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you worry about that, whether it's a local company or a company, uh, you know, in the States or even overseas, right? That kind of stuff can happen if they don't have the checks and balances in place. But you do bring up a good point. Lots of times, hey, I know him and, you know, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I, I think local, though, I think there's a, there's a, uh, that risk is, is increased. Yeah. Uh, only because it's a smaller, sure. a smaller world, if you will. It, it could be your neighbor versus, um, a company that's that's you know overseas or, or out of the country somewhere else. Yeah, no, very true. Thanks a lot for the call, Wade. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're talking about uh, buying local. Mayor Bowman today saying that uh, he's going to put a motion to council next week where he would like to see more contracts of a hundred thousand dollars or less go to local companies. Getting some text messages on this as well. Uh, here's one, support local, keep our money circulating within the city and the province. Once the money leaves our province, it is gone for good. And your text messages and emails and phone calls coming in on what you plan to do when the weather gets real nice. It's starting to get nice, but it's really quickly, I think, it's going to get real nice. Ron says, can't wait to finally be able to watch some TV with the windows open and let the breeze in. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and another one here. Taking my 1984 Fiero out. Oh, boy. <laughs> if you got a mullet, you need a big mullet in that car. That's what you need. You need, uh, you know, business in the front and party in the back as you're out in your 1984 Fiero. We got to take a break here. Tristan Field Jones has the 130 news for you. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. Coming up on 133, of course, there's a big hockey game tonight. And joining us now to talk not so much about the game, but what's going on down there in St. Paul, Lorraine McNabb. She, of course, is a global news TV anchor. And, Lorraine, great to chat with you again. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great, Hal. The sun is shining here in St. Paul, finally, and the snow is melting, so everybody's in a much better mood these days. Great, and I guess tonight they're going to have their big uh, party going. They canceled it because of the snow, but tonight it's on, eh? Yeah, that's right. Sunday they had to. They had big plans to actually have a four-hour pregame outdoor party prior to Game 3, and as we all know now, there was that massive blizzard that raged through here for over three days and so they postponed those plans but it's back on tonight starts at 4 30 right across from excel energy center it's not gonna have the same kind of vibe as winnipeg's outdoor party i don't think just because it's in a larger space and it's not meant for people to hang out there the entire night it really is meant to be a pregame but i'm anxious to see kind of who shows and how many winnipeg jets jerseys we're going to see in the crowd yeah, listen, we've got a great whiteout street party happening here. I, I really don't think anybody's going to come close to touching the vibe from that whole thing. Uh, but, you know, uh, good on them. Let them let them try. I know today you've been kind of looking at the rivalry uh, that exists and the people that go down for games there. Talk a bit about what you found out today. 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, there's the rivalry, of course, of the teams on the ice. The Jets and the Wild met six times in the in the regular season, and, of course, now we're in the playoffs. And then there's the rivalry between the fans and sort of that thing that's going on, the vibe of having fun, but getting a little bit rowdy, a little bit cheeky, if you will, when they're in the stands. And so we've been talking to some Canadians who were down here for Game 3, have also come down here during the regular season, and they say it's hockey that's going to bring them back. They kind of like what they're seeing both on and off the ice. Although I did have one Canadian tell me she thinks the uh, American fans are a little bit more, um, I don't want to use the word rude, but she said a little bit more loud in the sense of bugging them when they were sitting in the stands. And then, of course, there's what that means for tourism, the tourism industry here. We just talked to the head of uh, Minnesota Tourism, and he's super excited that this, these two teams have met in the playoffs because that's bringing Manitobans here and then you know minnesotans back to winnipeg and so he just says you know the more you can kind of build that rivalry the better it might be for both sides when it comes to spending those dollars well you know when i had that thought the other night listen we would love to see four straight wins and move on to the next round right but we know realistically that's not going to happen when they lost the other night when the jets lost i thought well hey now they're going to come home they're going to win it here and that's another game and all the money that goes with that game it's good for the economy that's exactly right. You know, I've seen bars here just filled to capacity with both teams or fans from both teams. And we know it's exactly the same thing back in Winnipeg. You know, the, the Mets, the Pints, everybody in and around that rink, it means something to them when these teams make the playoffs, both the Jets and the Moose, right? Because you have people who come down and enjoy that. So sure, would it be nice to sweep every team? I, I think so. I think yeah. we'd love that. But I, but I think this back and forth is nice. And it builds that sense of, okay, we have one, you have one, you know, um, it makes the fan experience, I think, a little better, too, because then you're not sort of feeling like you really are the underdog. You're in it with them, and you can enjoy it with them, too, when you're sort of part of that. Hey, you've been pumping out all kinds of stories down there. I, I doubt you've had much time uh, to do any shopping. But listen, that has to be, and it's funny because we're talking about buying local and the mayor's encouraging encouraging the city to buy local more. And here I'm asking if you're shopping while you're down there in, in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, the Twin Cities. But that has to be part of the appeal going down there as well, right? You go down for the game, but you got to hit Target, right? Absolutely. I had my camera person and Russ, our sports guy, hit hit Target last night. I got a text telling me that's where they were at. And that's largely for, for them. There are things there that you can't get in Canada. Yep. And that's a draw, right? There's different snacks. There's different clothing, you know, that kind of thing. But listen, a lot of the Canadians we spoke to, too, the reason why they did the two games, Hal, uh, wasn't just because they wanted to support the Jets. They, they came number one for hockey, they said. But now you're down here. You've made that seven-hour drive. You're going to hit them all. You know, if you yeah. can find some deals, why not? That's just part of the process. And when we talk about that spending, uh, the dollar's not great right now, but that might be a draw for Americans when they come to Winnipeg. Maybe the dollar's good enough for them to be shopping in Canada. And when it's good down here, good for us. So for sure, it's a draw. I can't remember what they picked up at tar- Target or Target, as you call it. I think, yeah. they, uh, I think it was a lot of cereals that you can't get and a lot of sugar involved. Yes, yeah, it's usually that stuff for sure. <laughs> hey, one more question. You know, we talk about our whiteout street party, uh, and, you know, everybody, it seems, is talking about it. Are fans down there talking about our whiteout street party? Oh, they know about it. Oh, no, I, hands down how I was in the one of the bars across from the rink the other night just talking to some folks for the story we were doing then, and um, they they mentioned it right away. I know you guys have the light out, but wait till you get inside our rink. We're pretty loud, too. And, and they're watching it. And even the head of the tourism said he just loves seeing our crowd on television, and it's been fun for him, he says, to watch us 
as much as it has been for him to watch his own team. I mean, he's still a wild fan, but you can't help but be impressed with what you see in other markets. The same way when I was watching Nashville last year, I thought, wow, like that's one heck of a fan base they've got going there. I mean, you're pleased to see it when people are enjoying themselves. Yeah. And just tee up what we're going to see on television at 6 o'clock tonight, Lorraine. Well, we did go shopping with a couple Canadians who are still in their jet gear on their fourth straight day here, but having a good time. So we talked to them about what they like about uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, what draws them here, and, of course, their thoughts on that rivalry. And we also got Russ Hobson, who went out and, and went and visited uh, Blue Bombers legend Bud Grant and was in his yeah. house today taking a look at some of the memorabilia. And he's got quite the collection. I'm not going to tell you which NHL jersey he was wearing when Russ walked in the door, but you could probably guess. All right. Well, we'll watch tonight. Thank you very much, Loren. Appreciate it. No, thank you, Hal. Take care. Global News TV anchor Loren McNabb joining us from St. Paul, where tonight our Winnipeg Jets will take on the Minnesota Wild. Game four, Jets leading 2-1. It is 139, just about 20 to 2. Quick break, and we'll be right back. And uh, keep the uh, comments coming by text or by phone or email, 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. What can you not wait to do when the weather gets really nice? All right. Um, We are giving away, again today, a $100 gift card for Kitchens Today. And when you win that, if you get our tough trivia question correct, when you win that, $100 $100 gift card, you are then in to win Hal's Kitchen, a $5,000 kitchen makeover from Kitchens Today. How's that, huh? Pretty nice prize. We did that a while ago. Uh, I guess maybe it's almost a year ago now that we did that, and we're doing it again, and it was really popular then, and that's why we're doing it again because you guys loved it. And as you know, if you invest into uh, your kitchen – and uh, fix it up, boy. If you go to sell that house down the road, it is worth a lot more money just because that kitchen is uh, updated. And so it's uh, an invaluable prize in that sense. But just having a real nice kitchen is uh, is obviously really, really cool. Here's the question. Get it right, you get the 100 bucks, and then you're in to win house kitchen. One in three people would want to meet up with or talk to someone who has this in their dating website photo. (laughs) And I'm just going to, we say this on the weekend all the time, because it's just kind of a different crowd on the weekend. When we do the weekend show, please no inappropriate answers. I would, (laughs) I would not ask the question if the answer was inappropriate. All right. So one in three people would want to meet up with or talk to someone who has this in their dating website photo. So you see this in the photo and you think, Hey, I want to meet up with that person or talk to that person. What is that in the photo that makes you want to do that? One in three people, a third of people say they see it, and then that makes them want to meet up with or talk to that person. For a $100 gift card, Kitchens Today, and a chance at Hal's Kitchen, a $5,000 kitchen makeover from Kitchens Today. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Hi, have you got a guess? Hi, yeah. Would it be a pet? Well, that did not take long, did it? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. My tough trivia question, obviously not tough enough. What is your name? It's Barry. 
Barry, you won the $100 gift card, Kitchens Today, and you are now in the running. You get a very good chance at winning Hal's Kitchen, a $5,000 makeover from Kitchens Today for that kitchen of yours. I think my wife will love me again. Uh, I th- again. Oh, you're in the doghouse, are you? Both times. All right. Well, listen, thanks for playing. Congratulations. And, uh, well, everybody else, sorry about that. Not much of a chance for you, but we'll do it again tomorrow. All right. Again, tomorrow, $100 gift card for Kitchens Today and your chance at that $5,000 makeover, Hal's Kitchen. Let's take a look at what today is. Today is Bat Appreciation Day. Oh, I like this one. It's Blah, Blah, Blah Day. (laughs) It is uh, Ellis Island Family History Day. It's Ford Mustang Day. It's Herbalist Day. It's uh, Income Tax Day, by the way, in the States today. They do it on the 15th. Uh, Well, it's the 17th. That's weird. Uh, We, of course, have it at the end of the month. It is uh, National Cheese Ball Day. It's Wear Your Pajamas Work Day. Nobody around here is doing that today. Um, It's Nothing Like a Dame Day. It's Pet Owners Independence Day. And it's World Hemophilia Day today. All right. Just uh, as you know, we've got, you know, interviews and stuff. But then we always try and squeeze in some other stories that uh, I think are kind of interesting. I thought this was sort of weird. Do you drink? I I drink, I have a cup of coffee. I have one cup of coffee. It's usually a big one, and I sip on it, you know, throughout the morning getting ready for the show. And I, I do enjoy a cup of coffee. This is interesting. Here's the headline. Coffee tastes best out of a tulip-shaped mug. Let me read the story. If you want your coffee to taste as good as possible, you'll want to invest in a mug that's narrower at the top than it is at the bottom, according to Oxford University researchers. They had 276 visitors to a coffee exhibition drink a brew from three different shaped cups, a tulip-shaped cup, an open or split cup. The open cup had a rim wider than its base, the uh, traditional paper coffee cup shape, and the split cup had an indented waist like an hourglass. The coffee was judged to be more acidic when served in the split cup, but was said to taste best served out of the tulip-shaped cup. Now, I understand these are, you know, this is research. I mean, this is Oxford University, but does this not sound a little silly to you that the coffee would taste better out out of a different kind of mug? I don't know. Here's what the researchers write. Maybe this will shed some light on this uh, question I just posed. These results demonstrate for the first time that the shape of a cup significantly affects the perception, ah, the perception of the sensory attributes of coffee for both amateur and expert consumers. Drinking specialty coffee can potentially be a truly engaging multi-sensory experience, which includes the cup as an essential element. You buy that? I don't think so. I mean, I get it. Perception's reality, but really, the cuff, why would the why would we perceive that the coffee tastes better in a tulip-shaped mug? But like I said, this is research done uh, at Oxford University. They asked 276 people at a coffee exhibition, drinking coffee from three different 
shaped cups, including a tulip shaped cup, and that's the one that apparently makes the coffee taste the best. Uh, and if any of these stories that I'm talking about here uh, get you going uh, in any way and you want to comment, 204 Um, This is a bizarre story. I saw this this morning and I thought instantly thought of a bad line. So I apologize if I use a be- if I roll out my bad line at the end of this. But doctors at a Chinese hospital says it took two surgeries to remove a lighter from the stomach of a man who swallowed it 20 years ago. A video recorded at a hospital in uh, China using a camera inserted to the man inserted into the man's body to locate the plastic and metal lighter in his stomach. The man told doctors he accidentally swallowed the lighter 20 years earlier but didn't seek medical attention until recently when he started having stomach aches and bloody stools. Doctors said an initial attempt to remove the lighter was unsuccessful, but a second surgery that lasted just 10 minutes ended with the device being significant, uh, successfully extracted. So there you go. This guy swallows a cigarette lighter 20 years ago, <laughs> kind of forgets about it until his stomach starts to bother him, and they end up uh, taking it out. All right, you ready for the bad line? <laughs> Here comes the bad line. The uh, the man was, uh, they talked to the man afterwards and asked him if he feels much lighter. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry about that. Doug wants to talk about the coffee story. Yes, Doug. Hey, but that's, that's an awesome joke there. That's, <laughs> no, that it's good. not, but I had to say it. Come on. <laughs> so, but uh, you know what? What, what, I, what I'm interested with is it took, so it took coffee scientists how many decades to catch up to wine connoisseurs? I mean, we drink wine out of different shaped glasses to experience the different aromas and everything. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. You know, and I got to agree with, I, I guess, with the psychology behind drinking coffee in different cups. Because, I mean, I love espresso, but I will only drink espresso out of an espresso china cup. I hate going somewhere and they give you a paper cup. Espresso also doesn't taste the same in a cappuccino size cup or in a latte size. So psychological or not, isn't that what it's all about? Yep. So no, you make a good point. Know. Yeah, it is. That's why so, when I read the word perception, I went, ah, perception, because, yeah, I can't believe that it actually affects the taste. But I guess depending on the shape of the cup, it does affect the perception of the taste that you have. Well, and it's it's the shape, right? So the aroma, you know, through our nostrils. Yeah. But, but again, the perception, how you're holding it, everything. Mm-hmm. So just like wine. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so I'll I'll stick to my espresso in an espresso china cup okay. with a spoon on the plate beside it. And that's the little tiny uh, cups, right? That's right. Yeah. And, it, and again, it, and it has to. I mean, it, I, whatever. In my world, yeah. That's how espresso has to be served because that's the experience yeah. of having an espresso. Okay, so let me ask you a question, Doug. You seem like a real coffee connoisseur here, so I'm going to ask you. <laughs> when you just want a good cup of joe, where do you get the best coffee in Winnipeg? Uh, you know, I, for, for me, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Starbucks. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to have regular coffee, I like, you know, their, their 
their Pikes Peak, just a medium roast. Yeah. But again, in the world of coffee, if I'm going out with friends or stuff, I'll always have an espresso yeah. or I'll have a latte. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I let's say a little bit snobbish in that regard. No, well, um, hey, you know what you like. That's you know, that's that's the best, man. You know what you like. You don't, uh, you didn't uh, waffle on that at all. You were able to tell me exactly what you like and where you get it, and no, that's good. And if we're going to be buying coffee, um, I'm a big fan of DeLuca's. They, uh, you know, not only do they have great wine and cheese, but yep. they also have great coffee for, for home brewing. Yes. So. Yeah. So. You got me thinking I need to hit DeLuca's on the way home tonight now. They got they got more <laughs> than, they got more than just good coffee there. Their bakery kills and uh, there's fantastic food. And... Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you know more of them in the DeLuca family than I do, but say hi to Fabio on the way. All right. <laughs> hey, Doug, thanks a lot for calling in. I appreciate it. All right, cheers. Yeah. All right, so there you go, uh, Doug, uh, and let's just do it. What's your favorite coffee out there? 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. I will tell you this. I have never met a coffee I did not like. Even somebody that says, oh, it's bad coffee, I'll drink it. I don't I don't care. If I need a coffee to get my day going, I, I don't mind. I have kind of become... Mostly a McDonald's guy. McDonald's has pretty good coffee. But I, this morning, had a cup of Timmy's. So, you know, uh, maybe you want to weigh in on that. Best coffee out there. 204-780-6868. Global News at 2 with Tristan Field-Jones is next. It's Hal on CJOB. Thank you very much, TFJ. Yes, double digits. Nice and sunny out there. We're going to, we, Duck is standing by on the phone. We're going to talk to Duck. I asked the uh, question right off the top of the show. What do you plan on doing when the weather uh, starts getting nice? And it is certainly starting to get nice out there. It's only going to get better, and I think it's going to get better pretty quickly, too. And you golfers, I'm hearing rumors. I haven't heard anything official, but I'm hearing rumors that some of the choruses may get going on the weekend if this uh, continues. So we'll see. We'll talk to Duck in a second about what he plans on doing outside in the nice weather. Joy is on the line. Uh, We were talking about coffee. Apparently, according to this study, Oxford University researchers find that coffee tastes better if it's in a tulip-shaped mug. Um open cup, rim wider than its base, and uh, apparently uh, it just tastes better. And then Doug called in saying, yeah, there's something to that. You know, I, o- I only like espresso in the little tiny china cup, and Doug made a pretty strong argument that, hey, we drink wine in certain shaped glasses to help with the aroma. Why not coffee? Joy is on the phone now wanting to talk about this, 204-780-6868. Hi, Joy. Hi. Hi. Um, I have two things to say. First of all, uh, from what I've read, the best coffee in the city is at McDonald's. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that like McDonald's. Yeah, that would be one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the fancy restaurants, but... Yeah. Okay. And the other thing is, the the man who was talking about espresso... Uh, we have a very good uh, a, a friend uh, that's Italian, and he always makes espresso. But I have it in a regular cup because I don't like those little cups. Mm. You don't get enough. Yeah. And I find it tastes ex- exactly the same. Yeah, I kind of think the shape of the cup maybe is uh, a bit of BS, but I don't know. What do I know? You know, yeah. Doug, made, Doug made a good argument about we drink wine out of, you know, glasses that have a certain shape for the aroma and all that stuff. Maybe it works with coffee. I don't know. 
I don't know. And the same with wine. I've had wine in all kinds of different glasses, and yep. it still tastes the same. I've had <laughs> wine in a paper cup, and it tastes just fine. Right. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Joy. Okay, bye-bye. All right, and uh, we're getting some text messages on this 2204-780-6868. Hal, I used to be hooked on Tim Horton's coffee. Now I drink McDonald's coffee. Uh, Jeremy says, I agree, Hal, with your caller, DeLuca's best coffee. Uh, Trucker Ernie. Hey, Ernie. Haven't talked to you in a while. Trucker Ernie says, Hal, if you drink beer out of a glass bottle, it tastes better than drinking beer out of an aluminum can. Hmm. Let me give that some thought. Yeah, I guess I probably do prefer a beer out of a glass bottle if I'm given the choice. Now, I don't know why. Is it really tasting better, or is it just something that we think it tastes better? I I don't know. I don't know. Very good question. Uh, Hal, best cup of coffee with atmosphere is the Daily Grind in St. James. Oh, and then the person says, keep it a secret because it's getting more and more busy by the day. All right, sorry. I think you were kidding, but... Um, I think that's all the questions and comments about coffee. Yep, I think that's it. All right, let's uh, let's get. Du- oh, is that uh, coffee? Oh, let's uh, duck. Hang on, I'm getting to duck in a second. Let's go to Bill here. Bill wants to talk about coffee. Let's get the coffee calls and text messages and emails out of the way, and then I picked up the phone and he's gone. All right, well, listen, call back, Bill, if you want to talk coffee. Let's get Duck on here. He's patient, but let's get him on. Uh, so the weather's nice, sunny, and, and 10 right now. It's going to get even nicer. And uh, Duck wants to tell us what he's planning on doing uh, when the weather gets nice. Duck, go. Just wanted to let you know that I'm sitting out back on my patio with my dog, having a bud, and it couldn't be better. Oh, man, I am jealous, Duck. <laughs> Hey, you think that's bad? Wait till this weekend. If it's as nice as they say it is, I got a pack of ribs that are going on my brand new barbecue. Oh, no. I do not use gas. I love coals. Doc, when you cook your ribs, do you boil them first or do you just throw them on the queue? Never boil them. No, eh? I'll tell you the reason why. Why? It takes out everything that the rib has. Well, that's true, but it, it sure makes them nice and tender, though. Ah, if you do it right, mm-hmm. and you got your white coals, and you turn them, and turn them, and turn them, and every time before you turn them, add that barbecue sauce, add that barbecue sauce, and it soaks in. Yeah. You got to cook them slow, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. enjoy your beer. Say hi to your dog, and I hope you get those <laughs> ribs going this weekend. Well, my dog is named Ducky. Ducky. Just let you know. <laughs> your, I, you're Ducky. Duck, and he's Ducky. Yep, actually she. <laughs> she, sorry. And I'll tell you something. She's a Jack Russell straw terrier, yeah. and I don't need a cat. This thing catches mice. Wow. All right, Hal. All right, You Bill. have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. There he goes, Duck and his dog, Ducky. <laughs> and uh, some, we'll end the segment on coffee and all that stuff with this uh, text message here from somebody. Hal, the best coffee is a free coffee. One bought for you. Yes, absolutely. 210, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I want to play back a bit of Bud Grant. Bud Grant, the legendary football coach, was on with Mackling and McGarry this morning. I want to play some clips for you. Coming up here, it's Hal Anderson on CJOB.
You know, maybe there is something to this, uh, you know, certain drinks take uh, taste better in, in certain cups or, or glasses. Somebody just sent me a text. Uh, let me just get the name here. Terry. Uh, no, sorry, not Terry. Uh, no name. Somebody said, how root beer is better in a glass bottle than plastic. Uh, I don't know about that, but it is better when you get it at A&W and it's in the big uh, frosted mug. So maybe there is something to this. Terry actually texted in to say the best coffee is McDonald's or 7-Eleven. And then somebody says, hey, ice cold beer in a glass in the summertime, nothing better. Yep. Yeah. Maybe there's something to this. I kind of went fooey, but maybe. And then talking about cooking ribs, Jeremy says, I leave my ribs on my smoker for three and a half hours at 225, then wrap them in foil and throw them back in for 45 minutes. Best ribs ever. Hmm. I'm not a big smoker guy. I don't like the, I'd rather barbecue than smoke. But anyhow, thank you for all your text messages. Really appreciate that. I want to play for you some uh, audio from this morning. Mackling and McGarry, great show, 6 to 10 a.m., And they had Bud Grant on, right? Former bomber coach, former Vikings coach. I did not realize uh, all the stuff that Bud Grant has done. Here he is talking about playing hockey. You know, I I played hockey till I was about 14 years old in northern Wisconsin. uh, But they decided that I either had to choose between basketball and hockey. And uh, uh, so I chose basketball, and that was my hockey career was over. But I followed hockey, you know, and, of course, being in Winnipeg, uh, you know, hockey mecca, uh, you know, I followed hockey for years. And and one of my favorite all-time friends, or not friends, but acquaintances up there was Gordie Howe. And I appeared with him on many occasions in in Canada, and I thought he was one of the greatest athletes of all time. There you go. Uh, Bud Grant played hockey and then played basketball, and I did not know this, but he went on to win a world championship in basketball. Uh, I played basketball and uh, played with the Minneapolis Lakers, and we won the world championship. And, of course, our, our star player was George Mikan, and that was a an interesting experience. I only played two years and, and decided that my future wasn't in basketball, so I went and played with the Eagles and then came to Winnipeg and and had, you know started and had my football career and and uh, but there were there were there were good times but that's a long time ago you got a good memory but of course um, he says he still has a great love for the game of hockey unfortunately he's a Minnesota Wild fan <laughs> didn't sound like that was going to change but he's a fan of hockey he loves hockey I'll have my jersey on tonight when they play uh, I follow hockey I go to the games occasionally but I don't have season tickets. But I have friends who have tickets, so I get over there occasionally and watch the games. Uh, but I am a hockey fan, and uh, I'll be watching the game, of course, on television. And I'm not torn because I am, you know, I'm in, in, we're playing in St. Paul, and I'm here, so I'm pulling for the while. But uh, I'm being pulled, you know, and so, uh, you know, it, it's, but it's enjoyable. I enjoy hockey uh, extremely. Bud Grant, 91 years old, and he ended the interview with McLean and McGarry this morning by saying, go wild. He got it in there. He snuck it in right at the end of the interview. That's okay. He's cheering on the Minnesota Wild. Nothing wrong with that. They talked football. I mean, you can't have Bud Grant on the phone and not talk football, right? And I didn't know this either, but apparently Bud Grant did not let his players 
wear gloves when they played football. Well, you know, we had to play outside uh, in that stadium, and we had to practice outside. We had no indoor facility, so we had we we practiced without gloves. Now, I learned that in Winnipeg. Uh, I played up there for you know four years, and I played up there. Where we didn't wear gloves, and you know you learn how to. I told him, oh, clap your hands. Now, when you clap your hands, your hands sting. Well, that means that the blood is rushing to them. Just keep clapping them. And then when you play, uh, your hands do not get cold because you're hitting somebody, grabbing somebody, catching a throwing or whatever you do. And so your hands really aren't as cold. The people with the coldest hands are the people sitting in the stands. They don't wear them for, for warmth anymore at all, I don't think. They wear them to help them handle the ball better and get a better grip. The gloves today are uh, weren't available in those days. If, if, if they were, I probably would have wore them. But they're more for traction, uh, to help hold out of the ball, and also to you know avoid some of the bumps and scrapes you get in playing football. Bud Grant this morning with Mackling and McGarry here on CJOB. And at the age of 91, Bud Grant still has an office with the Minnesota Vikings. They built a new uh, complex in Egan, Minnesota, and the Vikings have moved out there. It's a a state-of-the-art training facility. Our offices are there now. I do have an office, and they're gracious enough to, you know, let me have an office. And, and, uh, you know, it's been over 50 years that I've been involved with the Vikings uh, since leaving Winnipeg. So I do have an office. i got a place to go to. And the, I don't do anything. And the reason I have an office is I keep my mouth shut and my head down and let me have an office. <laughs> he keeps his mouth shut and his head down, and they let him have an office. Bud Grant. By the way, Jim, I see you on the phone there wanting to talk coffee. Don't hang up. I'm going to talk to you in just a second. I've got a couple more Bud Grant clips to play here. Now, they have what they call every year down there. They've done it for several years. They have the Grant Family Garage Sale. And they asked Bud about that this morning. Uh, Mackling and McGarry, they said, will there be any bomber treasures at the garage sale next month down there, bud? Absolutely. We always got something left over. You know, I've got six children, and they all, you know, have stayed here, and then two of them are born in Winnipeg, and they have great uh, feelings about that also. So we have a garage sale. It's my 10th annual, and uh, it's it's, uh, it's kind of a <laughs> taking on a life of its own. And we will have a stuff from not as much from Winnipeg as as I used to have because we've you know given them back given a lot of it to my family but then we've sold it and uh, but it's a family garage sale under my name at my house but it's a family garage sale so there's something for everybody. One more Bud Grant clip here. He says he still gets back to Manitoba and he loves it. Oh. Whenever I can, whenever I got an excuse, and my excuse, of course, is to go up there and uh, do a waterfall hunter. And uh, I, I go up there two or three times a year, not only in Manitoba, but Saskatchewan and, and you know, Canada. That's, that was my home for 14 years, so I got a lot of, you know, a lot of memories and time and friends up there. Although I'm running out of friends because I'm 91 years old now. Bud Grant, great hearing him on this morning with Mackling and McGarry. All right, Jim, I see you on the phone there wanting to talk coffee, 204-780-6868. Hi, Jim, what did you want to say? Oh, the best thing I like about coffee is ice-cold coffee, handful of ice, and a little bit of Kahlua and stir. (laughs) Really, eh? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a good summer drink. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like the weather's coming. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm getting all kinds of uh, uh, pictures of cars sent to me. I just got one here. Shirley sent this. How Bill is warming up the 56 T-Bird for summer. Oh, man, that is a beautiful car. Yeah, there's nothing like a classic car like that with the top down. And, yeah, fantastic. One of our questions today, what are you planning on doing when the weather gets real nice, real nice? And I actually got a text message on that from Rick. And Rick says, Hal, I'm golfing Sunday morning. Just book the tee time. So I'm wondering where. I've asked him where. I haven't heard back yet because I'm curious. I'm hearing all kinds of rumors and whispers and rumblings that uh, choruses are going to open up possibly this weekend if the weather stays nice like this, but I'm not hearing anything official. So I'm trying to find out uh, some more official stuff on that. Coming up on the show here, let me tell you uh, what we've got coming up here. We are going to talk to the founder of Cavalia after Global News at 2.30 here in a bit. Tristan Field-Jones will have the news, and then we'll talk to the founder of Cavalia. Have you seen the uh, big top going up over there on Keniston? The big uh, sign has been there for a while, and now the big top is going up. So we'll talk to the founder of Cavalia after the news at 2.30. And Jeff Courier had a great interview today with Dr. Jeff Blackmer, Vice President of Medical Professionalism at the Canadian Medical Association. And they were talking about the opioid crisis. And I want to play back a few minutes of that conversation. I thought it was uh, a really good one and important that we, uh, that we get it out there. Also, after uh, the news at 2.30, I'll let you know what movies are... Uh, now available to rent and buy. There are a few good ones, actually, uh, that you can uh, rent or buy, including The Post. Saw that one in the theater. That's a good one. Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep. Of course, it was one of the best picture Oscar nominees as well. Winchester, it wasn't up for any Oscars, but Helen Mirren was in it. It was pretty good. Saw that one in the theater, too. And then Liam Neeson in The Commuter. Those are the movies. I'll play some clips from the trailers coming up here. Got to talk about Sean Hannity. I don't know if you heard that or not. Fox News is backing him up, but we find out that Donald Trump's lawyer had this uh, secret client. Well, it turns out the secret client is Sean Hannity at Fox News. And here he is weighing in on all this, and he's kind of involved. Now, he says, listen, I never paid any. He wasn't really my lawyer. I asked him for some advice, never paid him, none of that kind of stuff. But it is uh, pretty interesting, and everybody is fired up about the fact that Sean Hannity is messed up in this uh, Trump, Cohen, Stormy Daniel stuff. Oh, Rick just got back to me. He said he booked the tea time at Southside Golf Course. So there you go. Southside Golf Course is apparently uh, booking tee times if you want to get out and do some golfing. Let's take that break now. The news at 2.30 with TFJ, and then we're back. Cal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. Coming up on 2.33 at CJOB. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but that big top, that big tent is going up over there on Keniston. 
Joining us now, Normand Latourelle, Latourelle, the founder and artistic director of Cavalia. Hello, Normand. Thank you for doing this. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, the big top is going up. How long does that take you to get that thing completely up? Well, just the tent itself take about a week, <clears throat> and then excuse me, and then we are moving with all the equipment. You know, Cavalia is the biggest touring show in the world. So we're traveling with about 130 semi trailer. It will, uh, add, it will, ha- you know, require an additional uh, month to do everything. And uh, the show will open in uh, May 12th. Mm-hmm. And how have ticket sales been going? I know when they first went on sale, there was quite a rush. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've we always been lucky. And 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 Winnipeg, the first time the show was here, we just broke uh, records of sales. Um, overall, sales are fantastic. We're up to 25,000, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just incredible because we're still a month a, a ahead. But people remember probably was not at that time easy to get tickets for Cavalia. So people rush more this time, I think, to, to make sure they have a seat. Tell us about this show. What's this uh, show? How is it different? Well, this, this show is, um, you know, the same base uh, show, I would say. But um, through the course of the year, I always make change, and uh, I'm adding uh, more stuff in it. So people will see, uh, and and also because we have horses on stage, every show is different. So through the course of the year, uh, with all the additions I've made, uh, people will see, you know, I would say, uh, I I would say big change. Um, That have been said also, we just announced today that um, the first surprise, uh, and how I'll have more surprise, First surprise is Maria Oregon. As you probably know, you're aware she's a, a young uh, singer from Winnipeg. She'll be she'll she'll be sharing the stage with us. So I'm very proud to announce that today. And um, also, when we uh, last came, we had about 60 horses. Um, we will have 80 horses at the, at the time we're going to come in May. So and then there'll there'll be a lot of additions. You know, there's the there's the line that's been around for many many years: never work with kids or animals. <laughs> and uh, what is it like working with that many horses? It has to be a challenge. Well, you know, um, horses are a domesticated animal. First, I mean, it has nothing to compare with um, lions or elephants. So, yeah. Uh, and and we have um, set up a stage where the horses are allowed to be free most of the time and to do whatever they want. So there's a lot of improvisation. And that's, that's why, you know, one show from the other is changing a lot. So we have, you know, we train the horse. The way we train the horses, when they come to the stage, they are in the play mode. They're not there to work. They're just there to play. Mm. This, is, uh, this is very unique to the way we do, um, you know, and, and nobody can witness that anywhere else than Cavalia because that's, a way that we have adopted, and um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we have happy horses, and we have happy public that witness a real bond between the artists and the horses. Um, and uh, yeah, would, would I do a show with uh, kids? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, with with horses, they they like to be uh, with their trainer. They, they 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 become confident and just like to uh, to come with their friends with the other horses and play on stage. Hmm. 
Why do you think uh, Cavalia is so popular here in Winnipeg? As you said, ticket sales last time around, record-breaking. What is it about Winnipeg and Manitoba? What is it about us here? Why do we love Cavalia so much? I know it's loved around the world, but it does seem like there's a special connection here. Yeah, well, that's a good question, and I don't have the exact answer. Uh, But what I can say is the artists and all the workers who've been um, you know, touring with us and uh, we're here um, in 2015, that's three years ago with the show, love Winnipeg and love the crowd in Winnipeg. Um, and, you know, it's, I think this, this is that uh, something reciproxy, like where, you know, the artists enjoy performing in front of Winnipeg crowd because they're very warm, very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a place, there's, there's a big, a big love affair, you know, um, we are a Canadian company. We are, we've been uh, traveling all around the world. And uh, when we come to Winnipeg, there's something special going on. And that's why we returned. Because at first, we thought um, no, never Cirque du Soleil ever come with a big top. They did last year, but before in 2015, they didn't show up. So we were kind of afraid of coming to Winnipeg as that was considered as a small market. But we had such a success, and that's why we decided to come back. And when I announced to the uh, the team that we we're coming back to Winnipeg, everybody got excited. So, I mean, mm. um, you know, our people love Winnipeg, and I think Winnipeg love our people. Yeah, well, and they certainly love your show. We love your show, that's for sure. So um, you're back, and we're excited about that. Do you think maybe Cavalia will be coming back more often or every two, three years? Is that sort of the plan? Well, well, no, the um, answer is this is the last time because uh, uh, this show, uh, Odysseo, will stop touring. Um, and that's why we come back to Winnipeg this year because we made a list of cities we've been through for years and we asked ourselves where did we have the most fun. And uh, the answer was two cities in Canada the first one was uh, Winnipeg. The second one was my hometown, Montreal. Mm. So uh, for the end of the tour, we decided to stop here. So it's the last chance to see uh, Cavalia uh, over the years. There will be no more shows after this? Uh, well, th- this show will become permanent somewhere. We're about to uh, announce uh, that we're going to build a theater. Mm. But uh, as a touring show, uh, that's the end of it. Wow. And there will be no new shows that might tour, or is that a possibility? Uh, no, I have no plan to build a, a touring show with horses. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really glad you've decided to come here. I know people are excited, and uh, uh, and I, I wish you nothing but the best, uh, you know, with your permanent location. But thank you very much for picking Winnipeg. And, uh, Norman, thank you very much for talking with me today. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate uh, having me, and I hope to see you at the show soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Normand Latorel, founder and artistic director of Cavalia, Odiseo Cavalia. And uh, coming next month, 25,000 tickets have been sold, still tickets available, and it'll be your last chance. Uh, You just heard the founder and artistic director tell you the last chance for you to check out this show. And as you head down Keniston over the next day or two, I don't know if it's it's usually my regular route 
um, the big tent is uh, is going up and uh, pretty exciting. 240. We'll take a quick break here at 20 to 3. Hal Anderson on CJOB, and we're going to come back. I want to play a bit of an interview you may have heard with Jeff Courier today on the opiate crisis. I'm going to play three or four minutes of that next. With this nice weather, I was asking, what are you going to do when the weather gets real nice? What are you looking forward to? Had a bunch of different comments on that. Uh, Lauren just sent me a picture of some great uh, uh, fruit. It says, Hal, I can hardly wait for Manitoba sweet strawberries, blueberries, BC cherries. Look forward to the fresh fruit and veggies so much every summer. Love summer food. Yes, no kidding. Yeah, that will be very, very nice. So I was uh, driving in, and I was a bit late getting here today. I had a doctor's appointment, and I was listening to Jeff Courier, and Jeff had on a doctor. Uh, His name is Dr. Jeff Blackburn. He's the Vice President of Medical Professionalism at the Canadian Medical Association. And he was talking about the opioid crisis. And I thought that it was a a great conversation and worth playing back a few minutes. Take a listen. Pain is a very difficult condition for physicians to treat, and it affects a lot of our patients. And, uh, you know, we've always been looking for more tools, more options, uh, more and better medications uh, to to try and address some of the pain issues that patients have. And, you know, we we got into a situation over the last few years uh, where there were some new medications coming on the market. There were a variety of um, advertising campaigns uh, launched by some of the companies making those medications that uh, in retrospect were not entirely accurate, had some deceitful information. And, uh, you know, the the number of prescriptions went up. You know, doctors were were trying to do the best that they could with the information they had, uh, but it was definitely incomplete information. And at the end of the day, it's it's the physician's job to, uh, to check that information. So, you know, we found ourselves in a situation where prescriptions were going up, uh, more patients were becoming addicted, and we sort of overshot, you know, when it came to the amount and the dosage of opioids that we were using. And, and now we're in a situation where we're trying to correct for that uh, without, without doing harm uh, unintentionally uh, and withdrawing patients from, the, you know, from these medications who really need them or withdrawing them too quickly. So it's, it's a very complex scenario for sure. Well, it, it's tough because if somebody's had major surgery, they, they need some pretty serious painkiller. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and so what we're really trying to do now is come up with some some newly revised guidelines that help physicians in this area. So we don't want to see a scenario either where pain is is unnecessarily undertreated. Uh, but we have to do you know a good job of of starting at a low dose, increasing very slowly, have a plan to taper them off, all these types of things. Uh, that take a lot of time, you know, and a lot of attention, but but that's what it's going to take is is careful monitoring uh, and lots of regular conversations with patients to make sure that uh, that when we are addressing pain issues, that we're doing it, you know, in the proper way that avoids, um, you know, the risk of uh, the risk of uh, of people becoming addicted. Do, do we need uh, strict rules as opposed to general guidelines when it comes to this sort of thing? You know, I think what we've really been aiming for is is more along the guideline uh, avenue. And different provinces have taken different approaches. Certainly, you know, British Columbia is a good example where where the College of Physicians and Surgeons, which is the regulatory body for physicians, felt that they had to act. 
um, and and came up, you know, with a set of guidelines based par- partly on what they're doing in the United States. Um, since that point in time, we've developed new Canadian guidelines that are, you know, a made in Canada solution for the issues that we address here. And most of the provinces are really taking the standpoint that, um, you, you know, these are guidelines. Medicine is an art and a science, and and what works for one person doesn't always work for another. We we really do need to be careful uh, that for some people who've been on opioids for many many years, for example, that we we don't withdraw them too quickly and again cause you know unintended harm so uh, we've certainly been supportive of the idea that these are voluntary guidelines but you know having said that we also don't want to see um, examples where where people are really prescribing poorly and, and there absolutely is a, a role for regulatory authorities in that regard this is where the do no harm mantra becomes a little bit more delicate and and complicated Absolutely, because uh, you, you can see it from both sides, right? So if you over-prescribe or, or you prescribe uh, inappropriately and lead someone to an addiction, that's a type of harm. But if you under-prescribe and you leave someone unnecessarily in great pain when you can be managing that pain, that's another type of harm. So physicians really are, you know, not to... Um, you know, not to oversell it, but but physicians are in many cases in a very difficult sort of uh, a case. I, you know, I look after a lot of patients with pain and when they come in and they ask for opioids, I have to assess that very, very carefully. So I don't want to see my patients suffer, um, but I also have to be very, very careful not to overprescribe and not to attract, you know, the attention of the regulatory authorities. So it is a, at the moment, it's quite a delicate balancing act for a lot of doctors. How do pharmacists fit into this conversation? Yeah, they have a very important role to play for sure. And so pharmacists see these prescriptions that come across their desk. What some pharmacists will see that doctors don't necessarily see is a patient bringing in prescriptions from from multiple different providers. And so in some provinces, you know, they have a very good monitoring program uh, where doctors and other healthcare providers can see if a patient's gone to, you know, for example, 10 doctors asking for opioid prescriptions. That's not available in all provinces. And so in that case, you know, the pharmacist can have an extremely important role to play to be able to call doctors and say, you know, did you know that patient X uh, not only brought me a prescription from your office, but from multiple other offices as well. So that's, you know, that's one example uh, of the role that pharmacists can play. That is from Jeff Courier's show earlier today, Dr. Jeff Blackmer, Vice President, Medical Professionalism, Canadian Medical Association. And as I said to Jeff Courier at the uh, end of his show when I was teeing up this show and mentioned I was going to play a bit of this interview Jeff did uh, with Dr. Blackburn, here's the problem. People with chronic pain that have been prescribed opioids are now in a really tough situation because everybody's worried about opioids. and, And don't get me wrong, there's a problem. But the people that have chronic pain that are being treated with opioids aren't really part of the problem and yet they're going to suffer as doctors pull back now on these medications and it's it's kind of unfortunate roy green did a show on this uh, here on cjob it was on us it was easter sunday because i was listening to it i was in here doing some work uh before our easter dinner and uh he was uh talking to people who uh you know have been prescribed these drugs these medications and now doctors are just basically pulling pills away, you know, you know, and they're now having to deal with it. And it's it's unfortunate and it's kind of unfair for people that uh, struggle with this uh, chronic pain. No question this opioid situation is a crisis, but these patients that have chronic pain kind of getting 
uh, stuck in the middle on this, in, in my humble opinion. What do you think? 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. Let's talk movies here. Let's lighten it up a bit here as we get ready for the news at 3 o'clock. Tristan Field-Jones standing by. Uh, the mayor wants the city to buy more local. Uh, Tristan will have that uh, story coming up here and, of course, all the other news that you need to know today. New today, if you're looking to rent or buy a movie, we rent our movies on iTunes. That's how we do it now. You can't go to the blockbuster on the corner anymore, but we uh, usually look forward to Tuesdays because the new renters are out. And one of the ones you can rent starting today stars Liam Neeson. It's called The Commuter, and it all takes place on a train. What if I asked you to do one little thing? Someone on this train does not belong. All you have to do is find them. Why would I do it? There's a hundred thousand dollars. You have until next stop to decide. What kind of person are you? (laughs) I can't help but now, every time I I said to my uh, wife the other night, it's funny how certain stars kind of get, you know, put into... Every time I see a Liam Neeson movie, and there are several really good Liam Neeson movies, it's almost like it's a version of Taken, you know? Like in this case, it's, he's on a train. It's like Taken on a train, right? Or I don't know. It's just kind of funny how these stars get doing certain types of movies, and then that's just kind of become, uh, uh, kind of becomes what they're known for. This next one, uh, we actually saw this one in the theater. My wife and I went and saw, we like scary movies. We went and saw Winchester starring Helen Mirren. And basically it's it's based on uh, true events. It's this big old house. And uh, Winchester, played by Helen Mirren, the family, the gun family. And basically in this huge house with all these crazy rooms, they have locked away all the spirits of people that have been killed by their Winchester guns. Here's part of the trailer. Do you believe in ghosts, Dr. Price? I do not believe in anything I cannot see or study. I feel their presence in the air, in the walls. It has found us. That is Winchester. Pretty good movie. Uh, I think it's only like 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's better than that. It, it's better than that. It's not great, but it's... Uh, it's not a bad movie, and Helen Mirren's pretty good in just about everything. And then your best bet of the new movies that you can rent or buy is The Post. It was, of course, up for uh, some Oscars, including the best picture. Didn't win, but it's a great story. It's, again, a, a true story. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep star in The Post. To make this decision... To risk her fortune and the company that's been her entire life. Well, I think that's brave. If the government wins, the Washington Post will cease to exist. If we don't hold them accountable, we will. We can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper. Nixon will muster the full power of the presidency, and if there's a way to destroy you, by God, he'll find it. I'm asking your advice, Bob, not your permission. She can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country will lose. What are you going to do, Mrs. Graham? The Post, available for rent today and also 
uh, to buy as well. We got a break here. The news at three. It's Hal Anderson. I'll be back. Stick around. If you see anything out there, you can give us a shout, 781-1320. You can always text 780-6868. And of course, you can use that number to call Hal Anderson. He's waiting by the phone for you. Yes, I am. Your phone calls take priority when I'm on the air. When I'm on CJOB, nothing more important than your phone. Well, maybe breaking news, but your phone calls are very important. 204-780-6868. What's on your mind today? We've been talking about the nice weather. We've been talking about buying local. Whatever's on your mind. 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. We were talking about the best coffee. Uh, Does it matter what shape the mug is? Does the shape of the mug affect the taste of the coffee? One study suggests that, yes, it does uh, have an impact. I thought this was uh, sort of interesting. I like eggs. Do you like eggs? Eggs are good. There is a company in the States called the Roseacre Farms, and they are voluntarily recalling over 200 million eggs. Imagine over 200 million eggs. They're recalling them in nine states because they have the potential to be contaminated with salmonella. And that, of course, can sicken healthy adults and have serious and possibly fatal effects for young children and the elderly. The eggs came from a farm in Hyde County, North Carolina, and they've been labeled under a number of brands. doesn't really impact us here, but this is big, like over 200, 206 million eggs. So far, these bad eggs have been linked to 22 reported illnesses, according to the recall notice by the Food and Drug Administration. And... Um, Yeah, Uh, restaurants are having to be careful about the eggs they're using, making sure they're not from this Rose Acre Farms. Anyhow, uh, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys, Muchos Kilos, we saw that story and we thought, oh, there is definitely a song there. So here you go. Muchos Kilos, Bad Eggs on CJOB. ZZ Top, Bad Eggs, Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. Stay away from the bad eggs. There are over 200 million of them. Not here in the States, but still. Uh, Leon is on the phone, and it says here that Leon wants to talk about our Whiteout Street Party name. Hi, Leon. Hi, Hal. How are you doing? Good. You? Good, good. good. I mean, I was going to talk about it the other day, but there was a lot of people that were coming up with, like, uh, decent ideas for a name. But I figured, you know what? We could use something that the uh, states are already using, but they wouldn't mind if we did. What's that? The street name. Okay. We we could call it the Donald. 
<laughs> the Donald. <laughs> the Donald. Actually, I'll tell you where we're at with this. We had a. We talked about it on air. We had a on radio and television. We had a poll on uh, the cjob.com site. We had a poll at the globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg site. And overwhelmingly, the winner of the name for Donald between Portage and St. Mary, that Whiteout Street Party area, is Whiteout Way. Okay, so I'm crushed. The Donald is not going to do it. <laughs> I like your I like your idea though. Your idea is great, Leon. I, I like that. You're going to feel you're going to feel like really uh, tongue in the cheek in here. I, I love it. No, it was perfect. Thanks for calling, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. White out way overwhelmingly. We talked about that on on Hal Anderson weekends, and uh, I'm going to call it that. Uh, you guys have voted uh, not just in one poll but two polls, and overwhelmingly, you've said white out way. And there were lots of great ideas. Uh, but I, you know, when the games are back here, I'm going to call it White Out Way. That's just what I've decided that uh, I am going to do. Um, let's, so we got time. Let me just uh, play this here for you right now. It's April 17th. Yes. The greatest day ever. I don't know about that. On the 17th of April, 1976, Philadelphia Phillies' Mike Schmidt, in four consecutive at-bats, hit four consecutive homers. Have a great April 17th, the greatest day ever. Ah, April 17th, there you go. A couple other things. Uh, Today in 1492, Christopher Columbus signs a contract with Spain to find the Indies. Uh, Oh, big day in the cartoon world. On this day in 1937, April 17th, 1937, cartoon characters Daffy Duck, Elmer J. Fudd, and Petunia Pig all debuted on this day. On this day in 1961, Liz Taylor won her first Oscar for Best Actress. 1964, Ford unveiled its Mustang at the New York World's Fair on this day. Uh, Paul McCartney released his first solo album, McCartney, on this day in 1970. And the next year, 1971. Joy to the World by Three Dog Night peaked at number one. As we head to a break, here you go, Three Dog Night.